welcome back to a bite of D&D where we add flavor to your games and campaigns. This is Micah, and across the internet from me is my co-host Zach. How's it going, guys? And this week, we're going to dive back into the original monster manual. I should say original for 5e. We're not going back to the red box here. But we are going to take a look at the Azer. Zach, what exactly are the Azer? Azer are, first off, they're found on page 22, monster manual. Azer are natives of the plane of elemental fire. But I don't think that that does them justice. And I think if you stop there, you miss what makes them interesting because I, I think there's almost too many creatures that are elementals their their story stops there the, and i like that this goes on yeah the other kind of boring description for them would be that they're they're fire dwarves yes because that's at the base level kind of what they are so what why do we think these guys are maybe a little bit more unique why do we want to talk about them in this episode I think that they have a history that's interesting and they have an ability that's interesting for their level. Um, and those are kind of two of the prerequisites that I look for in, in monsters that we talk about, at least most of the time, is what maybe have people missed. And as far as their history goes, yes, they are fire dwarves and yes, they are natives of the plane of fire. But more than that, they are descendants of dwarves. As the histories go, all dwarves were once enslaved by giants and titans and on the plane of fire, potentially, or maybe on the immaterial plane. I'm not, that part's a little fuzzy for me. But what matters is that some of the dwarves escaped captivity and those became the dwarves of today, the dwarves of the Forgotten Realms. And some dwarves did not escape captivity and those became the Azer. And over time, they their bodies became partially infused or maybe more accurately completely infused with the plane of existence that they are home to and they became themselves elementals so to me the idea that i thought that they were just like dwarf adjacent or a cousin of the dwarves or somebody was going to say oh well that's where dwarves came from their ancestors but the idea that they're descendants makes it interesting. I think there could be a good tension or conflict or comparison in our games between an Azer and any dwarf characters found within our parties. Another history of them, if you're looking for maybe a few ways you could incorporate them into your games, apparently back in 4E, they were actually crafted beings. So they would craft a totally unique bronze body to host their flame, essentially. And the Azer that crafted that would then kindle that body with part of their flame to create a new Azer. And so you could trace any Azer's fire clear back to the original Azer, the, the first to ever be made. So even though they're all they all come from the same flame they're all still completely unique and they basically instead of fire being creation or destruction they use fire to you know kind of pull themselves into the role of great craftsmen and tribality has a really cool article on these guys that i found fascinating which is what i'm looking at here i can link that with our podcast but that was another cool take on how you could incorporate these guys and how they embody like the spirit of true craftsmen essentially mm. within their flames and i thought that was a cool take on them and in 5e 
just in the monster manual and it talks about them being like the master jewel crafters like better than a dwarf better than anybody the azer are the top of the line and i thought oh that kind of also makes them interesting and gives them another bit that you can pick at you know i think giving an azer crafted magic item in your game could be a fun moment and allow you to kind of drop some of this flavor flavor in in a different direction well, and I don't think any of my games have ever really featured these guys. And so to have maybe meeting them be the equivalent of where you would normally just meet dwarves, to kind of have this totally separate race, this more unique feel to it, I think would be a really cool moment and allows you to expand upon your world in a way you maybe wouldn't have before. So I think they're worth taking a look at. Obviously, anything that they craft, you got to throw some some fire flavor in there. But I'm running a game of Storm Kings right now, a campaign. And I think their ties to giants and titans makes them something that I will be excited to look for an opportunity to have them in the game as an, as an added bit of flavor. And, and maybe they're already there tucked into a corner and I just didn't notice. But if they're not, they're going to be. Because I like I like that history, and I think it's a it's it's something interesting for any dwarven characters to have to kind of sort out. Like, there's got to be some guilt, I would imagine, tied to meeting one of these people and realizing that this is an ancestor that your ancestors left behind. Yeah, well, especially since ancestry is such an important aspect of dwarven culture and in general. Pride, yeah. So let's talk about just real quick. They have a few abilities here that make them unique for a CR2 creature. They have a heated body and heated weapons. What do you think about those? So I think that they're an interesting mechanical thing, and I think you could extend it past the damage die. So we can jump back in that in a second. But essentially, with heated body, whatever the Azer hits with a melee attack, while within five feet of it, uh, whatever it touches or hits with the melee attack, uh, they take 1d10 fire damage. And then its melee weapon is also infused with fire as the heat from their bodies kind of engulfs the weapons that they wield. And each all of their weapon hits do an additional 1d6 fire damage. And I like that because it's a way to give them a powerful weapon that then doesn't become a powerful weapon for your party to loot. If you're worried about that sort of thing. Like, oh, it does an extra 1d6, but it only does it because it's being gripped by a being of fire, not because the weapon itself is that. And I may have mangled what I said on Heated Body. I think I said it's what the Azers touch. It's when a creature touches or hits them. Yep. So it's it's like a natural defense mechanism against those in melee with them. Yeah, it's interesting that it only carries over to that. Like, I would I would say, like, what happens when a creature is grappled? In my games... I would probably, at that point, have some sort of save or something because you're in contact with a creature made of fire. Oh, there'd be no save on my part. It clearly says that any creature that's touching the Azer, that's 1d10 automatic every round. You just, you're taking damage. You can grapple them, that's fine, but you are are roasting yourself. For some reason, I thought, and and I don't have the book out in front of me, but I think, I thought that it said when a creature touches you but if it says when they're touched if it just says touching and that's a creature that touches yeah so if, if you start, start your round and you are maintaining that grapple, grapple you are you are touching it you are going to burn your little digits what about if an azer is grappling you 
you are going to be no, burned while it's grappling you. I guess that would be a good thing to keep in mind, I guess, because I, I misread it. So These guys could make some scary little wrestlers if they wrangle up your whole group. Now, these guys are lawful neutral, so they probably wouldn't be and shouldn't be going all out on your party, unless your party has done some really shady shit and uh, has provoked them. These guys are not just monsters that should be... Like, like the, the Zach, what are the, the Underdark Dwarves? Yeah. yeah. These, These guys, guys aren't like the Dorgar where uh, they're going to kill you to kill you. Yeah. They are, no, they're not evil creatures. So I, I feel like there's a lot more RP situations with them than necessarily combat unless they're being used as slaves by giants or some other creature that is the main threat in the area. Yeah, and, and there's even a section that says that unless you are carrying gems that they want they're probably not going to start a fight with you they'll defend themselves but they're not going to start a fight the exception being like efriti and those elemental genie guys uh, those are their sworn enemy and and tech on site and i assume any free azers would be attacking giants and titans on site just as a remembrance of wrongdoing but I mean, I'd play them similar to dwarves in that way, I guess. So, Well, you, you kind of mentioned it. I want to touch on the fact that they are mortal enemies with the Afridi. You've got these genie creatures, CR-11 creatures, that are mortal enemies and cannot commit to an all-out war against these fire dwarves. I'm assuming, I, I'm sure in the Forgotten Realms, numbers plays a part in that. But you would think that they should be able to wipe the floor with these guys. But because they helped construct the city of Brass, the main city for the Efreet to live in, they don't want to go into all-out war with them because they're worried that if they do, they will spill those secrets out to everyone else. And with those secret entrances and, and ways into their city, they will be overrun and, and kicked out. So they can't commit to taking them on without potentially destroying their whole way of life. But they, they were actually allies once upon a time. The hmm. Azer helped build the city of Brass, and when they were done, the Efri tried to betray them and enslave them so the secrets could never be sent out mm -hmm. or shared with the rest of the world. So you're not going to have necessarily a player character that is either one of those, but considering that the Genasi come from genies in 5e, Ooh, um, I forgot there are that. some potentially very unique interactions that you can have with a Genasi player oh, and your yeah. Azer. I think that's, that's a necessity. If you have a fire Genasi player, or yeah, you should be building an, an Azer encounter tomorrow. Like, that's a great idea. And I, it, it's all about, it's not about necessarily combat in my mind, but it's about... That could be a very character. intense RP scenario. Uh, yeah. Maybe a political scenario. You need the help of the Azer to craft some item or get through this section of the mountain or help in the elemental plane of fire or whatever. And they don't trust the party because of the Genasi in the group. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I think that's a must. I think, I mean, unless you have something else to add, I would leave on that note so our, our listeners 
carry that with them. Yeah, this day. is a, a relatively short episode. There's not. It was hard to find a ton of information on these guys, but they had a, a unique enough backstory that we wanted to hit on, give them the tiny spotlight that maybe we provide. And I thought, and it just kind of came to me while I was looking through this and, and kind of reading up on them. But I do really like the thought of placing them in a game with a Genasi character in it. Because uh, I think you can have some really creative moments there. And yeah, I, I think that's where we'll leave it. It is a short episode this week. If any one of you has your own history playing with, against Azer in your own games, please let us know. I think these are a very underappreciated creature within the game, and I think they are definitely one that I will be trying to find a way to incorporate in some manner in my own games. All right, guys. Well, we will see you next week. I think we might, might, don't don't hold me to it, but we might dive into a monster from the Creature Codex. Yes, so I guess while we've got your attention, most of you have already logged out because we said we were leaving and we, we were doing our normal wind-down spiel. But this is the first time, I believe, that we will be doing a creature that is not from an official book. Yeah, but Creature Codex is an amazing, amazing book. Here's my two-second plug. It's amazing. It's, in my opinion, the best bestiary aside from the Monster Manual. If you don't have it, you should get it. It's perfect. That was Zach's two-second plug on a product we did not have any hand in helping create and we make no money from. <laughs> so, But I I need to get my own hands on it. It, it expands a lot on creatures that you can easily incorporate or are already incorporating into your games. There's not a bunch of weird side stuff where you have to try and force a campaign or a story around. You can naturally fit them into anywhere in your game world, and it just expands on what you have in your toolbox phenomenally. Yep. Uh, uh, check it out. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Check it out. All right, guys. We will see you next time. Later. <laughs>